0: Our reading this morning is John 18, verses 28 to 19, 16. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, They did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, We would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Well take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the King of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did you, did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate asked. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, asked Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, no, him give us Barabbas, not him give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in the uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak me, Pilate said? Don't you realise that I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on Pilate tried to set Jesus free but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover and it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed them over to him to be crucified, over to them to be crucified.
1: Thanks Mari. Uh, Joan has already prayed uh, that we would understand his word, so let's just get stuck into this morning. Uh, in 1982, Sister Helen Prejan started corresponding and visiting uh, prisoners on death row. Uh, she became the spiritual advisor for a couple of them. As such, uh, she gained insight into the minds of the convicted murderers, the process involved in executions and the effect on the guards, the prison guards, uh, other personnel in the prisons and on their families. And she wrote a book about it uh, called Dead Man Walking, which became a film that won a lot of awards uh, later on, where Helen uh, sticks with a convicted rapist and murderer right up to the point of his execution. And along the way, she sees him own his crimes. Uh, Amongst other things, then the the book is about a man wrestling with where he stands with the truth about himself. Which I reckon the the passage in John might lead us, this passage in John might lead us to do something similar with ourselves. As we see another dead man walking uh, on his way to crucifixion. And others saying more than they mean or know to him, like what is truth or where did you come from, And so we'll be looking at those questions and the answer to those questions in this passage by firstly seeing that Jesus is the King of Truth. And so secondly, we need to know where we stand with him. So that's where we're going. First up, Jesus is the King of Truth. It's early uh, Friday morning, Jesus is going to be dead by the end of the day. He's just spent Thursday Arvo and the night eating and chatting with his disciples. He's got arrested in the garden. Uh, they've interrogated, he's been interrogated by a couple of Jewish leaders throughout the night, Annas and uh, Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. And then they purse him, pass him further up the chain to get him killed. So verse 28, we read it earlier, but let's have a look at it again. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. That's Pilate's. Uh, joint. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they didn't enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Uh, the irony here shouldn't be lost on us. Uh, these Jews are as keen to keep ceremonial laws as they are to see an innocent man hang, uh, chucking the baby of morality out while keeping the bathwater of ceremony in. Uh, but even though they might be unjustly labelling Jesus a criminal and seeking a state-sanctioned death, Jesus is no victim here. We see that in verse 32. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of place he was going to die. He was going to die. The kind of death he was going to die. Jesus may may be a dead man walking here, but only because he deems it so. Right? He is a king, after all, but he's not one that Pilate expects. So verse 33, we read, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? My Jew, Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, or better, in some Bibles it reads, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and come into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. Now Jesus doesn't deny that he's the king of the Jews, but he's more than that. Uh, he's, his kingdom is not of this world. He's not a political or military king. He's from another place. The kingdom of truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to him, he says. He's the king of truth. But it's more than uh, just truth in a big brain, intellectual kind of way. Uh, it's truth in the sense of knowing the reality at the heart of the universe, It's which is God himself, right? It's the truth of God, that's of knowing him, who he is, what he's on about. Jesus says he's the way to this truth, he's the king of this truth. As he uh, says earlier in John, uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, in John fourteen six. Uh, Jesus is the truth to God the Father. He's the king of this truth. According to Jesus, everyone, no matter who they are, their IQ, academic accomplishments, whether they're philosophers, spiritual leaders, or do-gooders. Now, Albert Einstein, Marilyn Savant, Gandhi, Mother Teresa. Jesus judges all as true pursuers of truth, only on whether or not they listen to him. A while ago at youth on uh, Friday night here, Friday night here, I was chatting with a young guy. Uh, he very bright. He's from a non-Christian family goes to a public school. But he was, uh, he was surprised to hear that I and many of us at youth thought that Jesus was an actual historical figure who claimed to be God. He hadn't really wrestled with the idea before and he struggled to accept it. Not so much because he wasn't convinced, but because the thought of Jesus being an actual historical figure was just so new to him. He said it was giving him a headache. Uh, but he didn't dismiss it. Uh, Not like many today who've read enough atheistic memes to know that getting a headache over thinking about God and Jesus is not worth it. I mean, after all, a poster on a bus can't be wrong. Which is a bit like Pilate here. As he cynically quips back to Jesus, what is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said to find no basis for the charge against him. Pilate knows Jesus doesn't deserve death, but he's more interested in getting him off his porch and out of his life and discussing absolute truth claims, which, let's face it, you can understand. He's a busy man. He's got a lot on his plate. I imagine uh, he's got a, a riot brewing in Jerusalem or a potential riot. I imagine if we're in the middle of a tense situation at work uh, and someone wants to talk about absolute truth claims there and then, we might be tempted to think, really? You want to do this now? Uh, and dismiss it you know, with uh, something like, what is truth? But as insincere as this question might have been on Pilate's lips then, it doesn't actually invalidate the question. Certainly not now. Because it's a question that, that is at the heart of life. What is truth? It's a question we need to think about. And not just what is true for me in my life, but what is true, capital T, truth, full stop. A question, Jesus says, we need to think about with reference to himself. Because the truth is his kingdom. It's where he dwells. The tragedy is that if Pilate wasn't so consumed by the affairs of his own little kingdom, if he'd actually asked that question sincerely, he could have heard the truth from the king of truth. And all his Christmases, I know that's anachronistic, but Let's just run with it. All his Christmases would have come at once because he would have been relieved of a burden that none of us can carry, the burden of not knowing God, which is why most bury their heads in the sand or work or family or Christmas gift shopping and cynically dismiss any possible answer like Pilate did. But you can't actually avoid the truth forever. The king of truth, he has a way of getting under your skin like he did Pilate. Chapter 2 and verse 4, we read, Once more Pilate came out and he said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace. What's Pilate afraid of? Surely it's got something to do with the claim that Jesus is the son of God that he's just heard. Now, while the Jews understood this title, son of God, to be a reference to the Messiah prophesied in their scriptures with more than a hint of that title coming with uh, the sense of being equal with God. As a non-Jew, Pilate possibly heard Son of God. Can you imagine how he would have heard it? Probably a little bit superstitiously. That Jesus is some gifted person who enjoys you know, divine powers, maybe a demigod or some kind of magic man, and a freaks Pilate out. Why? Well, presumably because he's just had this guy flogged and mocked. And maybe he's going to curse him now with something. Yeah, Jesus is going to come back with some magic. Uh, The irony though is that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and equal with God the Father. He did. There's no denying that. We see that earlier in John. But he did it in the context of healing people. And so on the one hand, Pilate needn't have been afraid of Jesus as the Son of God. But on the other hand, he really does need to be. Because Jesus is the King of truth. On God and the Divine. I was watching a uh, YouTube clip uh, titled "What Is God," where the thinker and mystic uh, Eckhart Tolle. uh, He says this: I rarely talk about God because you can't really. It's so transcendent. Whatever you say would be very limited, as you know. Human language and human thought is relatively limited. How can I make statements about the ultimate transcendent reality just by producing a few weird sounds with my vocal cords plus air pressure through my tongue and lips or the vowels? And he mumbles for a bit. This is what language is. Okay, now tell me the ultimate secrets of God and the transcendent universe. mumbles again. You can't. It's absurd. Just produce a few sounds and that explains it? No. However, I'll carry on talking, to which he and the audience laugh, because... The irony is obvious, right? In the face of the truly incomprehensible and inexpressible, which is God, we still want to talk about it or hear from someone who seems to be able to do the impossible, that is to make God known to us. But Eckhart he's right. It's absurd to think that we can comprehend the incomprehensible through human language because God is outside of our ability to know. If this circle is the sum of human knowledge, past, present and future, then God is infinitely beyond that. Let's call that the glory of God. The only way that we can know who God is is if he constrains himself to fit into our knowledge of things, if he accommodates our limitations, which Jesus says he he has done. He is that. He says he's God's, God the Son from the Father in glory, born and come into the world to testify to the truth of God. And he's demonstrated that uh, his authority to do this uh, over and over again with signs and miracles and wonders and fulfilling prophecy which we've seen all throughout the Gospel of John so that we might listen to him, the King of truth, for the scoop on God. Which brings us to our second point. We need to know where we stand when it comes to Jesus, if he's the king of truth. We need to know where we stand. And Pilate, I reckon, helps us do this as he shifts from one question, what is truth, to an equally profound question uh, in verse 9 of chapter 2, where he says to Jesus, where do you come from? Now, in the Greek, it's a little bit more stark. Uh, it's it's where are you? A question that actually undercuts the power and authority Pilate claims to have in the very next verse, and only serves to highlight his his limitedness, his his finitude. Indeed, one of the defining characteristics of all human judgments since time began, not just Pilate's, uh, is its finitude. There is no human court or human system of judgment that could claim to know everything, claim omniscience. That is, there's no human court that would say that it exhaustively has all the facts. At its heart, all human judgment, it's an estimation of what is true based on the available evidence. At heart, all human judgment can only ever be skin deep. And so to put your hope in human judgment as securing the absolute truth, well, that's pathetic and tragic. Let alone to be satisfied with the humanity, the humanly determined consequences based on that human judgement. As Pilate, his example, warns against this. In verse 12, we're told Pilate is determined to try and set Jesus free, and then in verse 16, without explanation, we read Pilate's hands, hands Jesus over to be crucified. What happened? We don't know. We're not told. But that's frustrating. But I reckon that's kind of the point here. John, John, he doesn't want us to be satisfied. There's to be no explanation, no reason to justify or make sense of Pilate's turnaround. In the presence of Jesus, the truth incarnate, Pilate's judgment, ultimately all human judgment, is exposed as dissatisfying at securing justice. And not just as a societal level, but at a personal level. We can't trust anyone including ourselves, to secure true, satisfying justice. So, what's left to hope in? Well, according to John, we've only got a flogged king of the Jews jammed with a crown of thorns on his head and clothed in a purple robe left standing. Everyone's favourite bad guy at the moment is Vladimir Putin, isn't it? for his monstrous and awful ongoing attack of Ukraine. But it's no accident, uh, it's no secret, sorry, that uh, the US and NATO provoked Russia for some many years beforehand. For years beforehand, there were warnings from many analysts that certain actions would push Russia into starting another Cold War. But US and European officials blew through one red light after another ignoring Russia's increasing verbal protests until Russia stopped using words and started using guns. First launching a military offensive into Georgia, then later into Ukraine. Now, there is no question that Putin's full-scale war in Ukraine is horrendous and inexcusable. But so were the provocations of so many US and NATO leaders that trigger Russia to it. They're as bad as each other. And we are of the same species as them, as those we love to hate and stand in self-righteous judgment of, of those who overreact to provocation to the detriment of many, as of those who provoke a neighbor into being a bully. We're all of the same six species, and our behavior is not a difference in kind, just degree. We're all guilty of knowing what's wrong and doing it, of knowing what's right and not doing it. We're all guilty of sacrificing truth on the altar of expediency, on the altar of fear. And the only escape from such guilt is Jesus, who stands before Pilate in all his innocence, who by just being there exposes, not just Pilate, but us, exposes our attempts to save ourselves and assuage our guilt as pathetic exposes the tragedy of putting our hope in human attempts to secure justice and exposes the only place we can be sure our hope will not be let down in the one who's mocked as the king of the Jews only to underscore his upcoming crucifixion as revealing the truth of who God is and not only that, of God's heart for such compromised, hopeless and lost people like us. In the mocked and condemned Jesus, we know where God is when it comes to us, but where are we when it comes to him? The Christian singer and songwriter Matt Maher, he's written a great uh, song which starts off uh, interrogating God with the question, where, where were you God when all that I'd hoped for, when all that I'd dreamed Came crashing down in shambles around me. Where were you when sin stole my innocence and when I was ashamed hiding in a life I wish I never made? He finishes the song with, You were on the cross. My God, my God, all alone. You were on the cross. You died for us all alone. You were on the cross victorious all alone. You were there in all my suffering. Where's God? He's on the cross. He was on the cross and he was on death row to the cross. He's not someone somehow removed or immune or untouched by the injustice and indignity and tragedy of life in this world. That's what the cross and the death row, the walk of death to the cross shows us. But perhaps more importantly, The cross acts as a mirror on ourselves and turns the question, where is God back on us? In the words of Pilate, where are you? Are you in the light of the cross? Do you own what Jesus uh, on that cross and on his way to that cross exposes about you? Because the closer you get to him, the more you'll see there's not only no hope for salvation in this world from the injustice and indignity within us or without. There's no way to know truth, to know God, except by listening to Jesus, the King of truth. So, where are you? When it comes to Jesus, where are you? Where where are you standing? Because while Jesus was a dead man walking back then, in reality it's all of us now who are dead men walking. And as the King of Truth, Jesus is the best. The risen King of Truth, Jesus is the best spiritual advisor to have with us. Which I'm sure Sister Helen Prejean would agree with. And so, we need to listen to him. We need to listen to Jesus. There's a great scene in the uh, film Dead Man Walking where Helen asks the guy on death row to own his crimes which up to that point he hasn't but he does and after he does and Helen commends him in his tears he pauses and he says to her thank you for loving me and maybe as those who've done terrible things and know it, you and I, as we confess those terrible things to God, and know that He forgives us through Jesus, maybe we should thank Him for loving us a little bit more often. Sister Helen and the uh, the fathers are the two teenagers that um, Elmo's son is was convicted of raping and killing. They were permitted to witness his execution. His last words to one of the fathers uh, was this, after spending all their time with Helen. I can understand the way you feel. I have no hatred in my heart. As I leave this world, I ask God to forgive me for what I did. I also ask your forgiveness for what I did. It seems knowing God as forgiving him freed Elmo to know who he was and to own it and to seek forgiveness and to know that forgiveness not only from God but from others. It seems he listened to Jesus and so he knew where he stood when it came to the truth about God and about himself. And so maybe that's something we're free to do too to seek the forgiveness of those we've wronged, to do what Jesus wants, even if it means losing face in the world or opportunity in the world or our rights in the world or our sense of belonging in the world because because Jesus is the King of truth. Let's trust him and live each day as dead men walking, listening to him. And I'm going to pray that that would be the case for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is the King of truth and that because of him we know you. And not only do we know you, but we know you as our loving Father who has allowed your Son to stoop so low and take on flesh and accommodate our limited and finite experience of life here and now so that we might know you and know your forgiveness and know your love. We thank you for Jesus, the King of truth, the pathway to knowing you. And we ask that you would help us to live in the light of him, to listen to him, to know where we stand when it comes to him so that we might know you and live life with you here and now and always. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.